Let's get to know the artist behind the epic melodies, songs, and beats. Celebrating the best new music from around the world. This is the A State of Trance podcast. Yes, my name is Ruben Ronde and welcome to a new A State of Trance podcast in the studio today with none other than Volaris. How are you doing, man? Great, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, hot off the back of your guest mix on the, on the show. A nice progressive dance. I was enjoying it so much. I was dancing and the, like half an hour just flew by. Do you know, it felt like a dream. Literally, it just <laughs> flew by. You know, I've been preparing it for a little while. In fact, I did that um, edit of Lustrial every yes. time. So that was prepared for the show specifically. Shout so, out to the Space Brothers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, great, great track. So um, yeah, thanks for having me and I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the mix. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, so let's start at the beginning. Um, you're from the UK, of That's course. Correct. Um, suddenly last year you had a lot of tunes just popping up, uh, big releases supported by everyone from John Summit to name them all. Well, vintage culture. Vintage culture was playing your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Above and beyond. I mean, just, yeah, it's just been across the board, which is, uh, which is quite nice really. Cause I think for me, the whole point of this project was to create music that had no limits. Um, yeah. and I'm trying to sort of bring in influence from house, techno, tech house, and you know, just everything really. Yeah, we'll get to the start of Volaris a little bit later, but first we're going to go back all the way back, oh, all back the way in back. time, back in oh. time, because I'm always curious because there's always a good story behind this. Like, how did you get infected with the dance virus? Like, what was the moment in time that you were like, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to become a DJ. Um, so the specific moment in time, I, rem- I remember it really clearly. Uh, I got bought the Essential Millennium album from Pete Tong. Uh-huh. Uh, my, I think it was my, my dad that bought me it for a Christmas present and I literally loved it. <clears throat> so it had like loads of like really classic house records on there and it was sort of, I think even Paul Oakenfold did a mix on there as well, I think. So uh-huh. yeah, again, it was just, uh, it just, the first thing I heard, um, I remember hearing Frankie Knuckles' Tears. Uh, was one of the tracks on there, um, the Full Intention remix, and that just got me into dance music straight away. And then, you know, just went out and started buying vinyl. So um, your dad bought you a CD and that got, it, got you yeah, infected? 100%. So my, my dad um, used to be a DJ. Uh-huh. So uh, when I was younger, he was always playing like funk records and, you know, loads of stuff from Diana Ross all the way through to Phil Collins. So you always had house music in the house? Yeah, yeah, always. Yeah, yeah. My dad was like, eclectic taste in music as well. So um, similar to me now. Awesome. <laughs> and from there on, you... Well, you were enjoying the tunes. You started clubbing, I guess. And that's the moment that you saw someone behind the turntables. You're like, hey, I can do that as well. Yeah. I mean... um, Or do it better. I mean, yeah. I think everyone's got different style. But um, for me, yeah, it's it's seeing everybody from Sasha and Digweed all the way through to Carl Cox, Joseph Capriati. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I did a season in Ibiza 2014 where... Um, you know, seeing Joseph Capriati on the terrace was probably one of the best moments ever. Um, but yeah, I've, I've seen so many DJs now, it's, it's ridiculous, but I've been, been partying for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, I bet, yeah. <laughs> and uh, because, the, the why I'm asking is because there's always the moment that you started either DJing or uh, uh, getting into dance music, clubbing, and then you get that moment that you're like, hey, yeah, I'm going to, I want to make these these kind of tunes. Do you still remember sitting down for the first time writing your music? Yeah, so um, I think I must have been about 19 or 20 when I decided to do that. Mm-hmm. And and that was off the back of um, actually going to Ibiza for the first time. Yeah. So I went to Ibiza, it was circa 2006. Um, yeah, I went there and saw uh, a, a number of different DJs. I think even Joris Fawn at Space. And uh, I just thought, you know what, I want to try and, try and get on this and start making tunes because... It just felt great. Yeah. Um, and I, I looked up in the DJ box and I thought, you know what, that's, that's exactly what I want to do. In fact, um, I remember going to Ministry of Sound quite a lot. And I, I remember turning to one of my best friends at the time and I just turned around and said, look, 
I'm going to be playing here one day. This yeah. is what I really want to do. And, you know, fast forward you know, a few years later when I was playing at, at Ministry of Sound. So, yeah. Back when there were still a lot of CDJs. <laughs> all, all next, I remember this Ministry of Sound in London was one of those clubs. You entered the booth. First of all, it's a, I have to paint the picture a little bit. It's, it's a dark hole with a lot of sound. Yes. It's always packed. It's always sweaty. And I remember the DJ booth was always, I don't know why, but there was always like, it feels like 20 CDJs is lined up next to each other. They don't have that anymore, but used to be like a spaceship that you stepped into. And a little yeah. bit low, I'm tall, so you almost bump your head. So yeah, magical, magical place. Way too many CDJs. <laughs> <laughs> what are you supposed to do with all of those? So, uh, which, um, which program did you start making your music in? Fruity Loops. Fruity Loops. Yeah. You're still so, doing that? No. So um, I've used pretty much all the doors you can think of. So I've gone from Fruity Loops through to Cubase. Um, I then moved to Logic. And then there was this argument back in the day where, you know, Logic sounded better than Ableton. So I was a Logic purist for a very, very long time. Yeah. And then somebody showed me Ableton and the speed of it, I was like, wow, I need to, I need to get on this because like getting the ideas out is the most important thing. You yeah. Know, trying to write creatively. So um, yeah, again, I, I still, even to this day, I'll still sometimes take projects out of Ableton and, and put them into Logic and, and mix and master in there sometimes. Um, it just depends on what I'm doing and how detailed I need to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, you can, you can look at it like that. I, f I think Ableton is the best though. But it's yeah, a no, discretion no. that everybody can have. It's, it's a preference, I guess. I, I mean, I do a lot more purely in Ableton now, to be yeah. totally honest. But uh, there are so many producers that work in, in uh, how do you say it? In Fruity Loops as well. I think Ben Hamsley yeah. is also in Fruity Loops. So. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great... Uh, I mean, a lot of um, artists are. It doesn't really matter what you what you use to cook. It's what, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the end result that, that matters. Uh, it's a very important thing to say, actually. If any yeah. young producers are out there, it doesn't matter what you're using, just know how to use your, your tools. I know a couple of guys, actually, that are really good in garage bands. They oh, make music in garage bands. I was like, I didn't even know you could do that. <laughs> no, I think you overlook garage band. You sort of go straight to Logic. But. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it works. It works, right? Uh, how long did it take you to, to make something releasable? Oh, God. Um, because... Yeah, some people take a long time and some... Yeah, know. I mean, um, I, I made music and, and sort of put it out. I mean, whether it was good or not is another another matter. But um, I think it's taken me a good 10 years to really feel comfortable in putting stuff out that I'm happy with. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've put stuff out in, a, in the last sort of five, six, seven years that I was really happy with. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's probably taken me a good 10 years to get to that point. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah. And then the first release that you ever had, how long did it take you before? Like you started making music and then what time frame did you use to create your first released tune? I think for me, I was always a DJ first and then the production was just, I was just doing it because I loved it. Yeah. And um, I think it was just having the confidence to then put stuff out. But um, my first... Yeah, my first sort of big release um, was actually through, through Ministry of Sound. Really? Um, yeah. And, and in fact, no, tell a lie. Uh, my first release was on Tool Room. So okay. I did, yeah, I won a remix competition. So um, I did, uh, there was a track called Minority by Dirty South. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, this is years ago now. And I did a remix of that. And um, yeah, I, I sort of came, I think I came like third or fourth or something on it. And uh, they still put the remix out. So I was really happy with that. Then after that, I did a track on a, a label called Noir. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it was just, yeah. Uh, those are the first tracks I was quite happy with. Yeah, and but, you were working on different aliases back then, right? Yeah, yeah. I've done I've done a few things in in my time. But Could this, you name a few? Yeah, Co so Cos, so uh, Nathan Cazetta, which is my actual name. Yeah. So um, yeah, I've I've done stuff through through both of those. And then suddenly the pandemic came. Yes. No. Yes. You say it with a smile. Yes. <laughs> I'm the only one that's happy about it. I think, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because we've heard that here on the podcast uh, as well in the in the last few months that 
the pandemic came and suddenly you had a reflection at everything that you were doing in the studio and you started making a switch, I guess. That, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you sat there with a bit more time on your hands and, and I thought, you know what, we've, uh, we, oh, well, I've gone so far with, with certain projects and, you know, I've done pretty well with cars. I sort of managed to play it, you know, high and I did print works as well into cars, which was great, mm-hmm. but, um, just wanted to start doing something that was a little bit more aligned with me. And I've always just loved you know, big beats and, and, and melodies. So yeah. uh, I, I decided to sit there and go, right, how are we going to, how are we going to sort of change this up and what am I going to do in terms of moving this forward? And I wanted to create, you know, in fact, what I did was I created about 20 tracks and then just went out to the market and said, right, who likes what? And obviously Salado picked a few bits up. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously I sent some stuff to Phil from Armada and yeah, the rest is history. And then you started a new alias called Flowers because That's you thought correct. it was, it was, something separate that you were doing in the past or you were like, okay, this is time for a fresh start. I just need to make a new alias because it's so different than what I used to do. Yeah. I think, um, a fresh start. I think I wanted to have, I I wanted to come into it with a bit more of a a brand identity and sort of come at it from a point of more, more melody. I think what I was doing before was very groovy and sort of, you know, uh, and I love playing, you know, groo- groovy records. But yeah. <clears throat> for me, I just wanted to make something that was a little bit more melodic, had a bit more feel into it, you know, vocals. I love a vocal. So mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just sort of trying to get all of that together in a melting pot and see how it turned out. And we've created some sort of Volaris sound somehow, but uh, yeah, we're there. Volaris. So can, t- can you tell us how did you come up with the, the artist name Volaris? What does it mean? <laughs> so um, yeah, there's a, there's a couple of different meanings to it. Um, so we were just, look, I, was, look, I was looking for something that... So you produced 20 tunes and you were like, okay, what now? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was then looking at how, how do we come up with a name? And um, I was sat with a friend of mine called Jem and... Uh, we were, we were sort of just batting a number of different ideas across and then we were sat in the car and I was just playing all the music and he just came out with, I think Valaris is a great name. And I was like, do you know what? I really like that. But we've got like a list of 25, 30 different names and we're back and forth in WhatsApp groups and trying yeah. to come up with it. And uh, But yeah, Valaris actually means the palm. So um, for me, you know, the palm is important in terms of, you know, touch, feel. And yeah, again, when you're in front of a crowd and they've all got their hands up. Yeah. So I thought Valaris seemed the right, the right name for it. That's awesome. I wonder how that friend came up with that name. I don't know. He just, just literally came out with it. I think he'd been planning it for about 10 years or something. He's been, he's been waiting for the right moment. He's like, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> you never know. I mean, that's the Flores. Well, I think this is a great choice. For me, I, I, I think it was like beginning 2022, Phil sent over some tunes and I was like, holy shit, who is this? Out of nowhere, these big tunes are coming in. And then I realized that you were already do, doing a lot of music. Uh, on a different alias so it made a lot of sense of course yeah thank you yeah so i think yeah again it's just trying to sometimes you've got to just refocus and and put your attention into something and, and this feels right does it also right. mean that you have to reset totally like are you going to leave your other project behind and reset everything and just focus on this alone yeah yeah i think uh for me it's time to move forward and just just stick with volaris now and uh, and do that i mean um you know we started a whole whole new socials pages uh, new twitter and everything just because i wanted it to be completely completely separate and yeah. um yeah i mean it seems to all be sort of growing and off the back of things like print works doing this show things like that will be you know hopefully helping build the social media so go follow me valaris <laughs> <laughs> valaris music ofc you're allowed to plug 100 <laughs> isn't it scary to start all over again yes and no i was actually more excited about it because sitting there through the pandemic we were just making fun you know tunes for fun um and and you know i'm sitting there sending tunes to uh, and ideas to friends and going oh what do you think to this what do you think to that and you know, it was just a, a good time to enjoy the music. And for me, um, I've just been only excited about it. 
it's now getting to the point now where you sort of think, right, I've got to follow that up. And, you know, it sort of becomes a little bit more... Like, hey, this is going quite well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. to be fair, you write records for fun and then you sort of get to a point where you go, right, okay, well, I want another record to be as good as this one or whatever. And you start start chasing it, but I've got to try and keep the fun element to it because that's that's the whole point of this for me. Does it mean that the stuff that you created before Volaris, was it more, um, how do you say it, business music? That you were doing it more for... No, no. More for the dance floors rather than for yourself. Yeah, I think it's more for the dance floors than myself, essentially. And um, I don't know, like as a as a DJ, I always sort of try to make tracks that would be, I don't know, just sort of fit into my sets. But um, yeah, this just feels different to that somehow. Yeah. And I think it's also, it's quite ironic because everybody in the pandemic started making slower music without having a dance floor <laughs> in their mind. And now all of a sudden on the dance floor, this stuff is actually working really well. Yeah. The more progressive melodic just look at Tale of Us, also mm-hmm. Solara, what he's doing. It's amazing to see. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, um, you know, I'm pretty lucky because, uh, I, I started Solardo's label with them yeah. f- probably about seven years ago. So I've seen, uh, I've seen their meteoric rise and, you know, they, the, the guys are super cool. Um, always kept me on as A&R. So I've always sort of passed records back and forth. And I think I've been lucky because I get to see how it goes inside the industry and you sort of see what trends are happening and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But for me, I sort of went, Do you know what? I want to sort of step away from, everything and just do something that I love and, and this is where we got to Valaris. Do you also see your friends around you because you you say that you've been part of that whole group already mm-hmm. for a long time. Did you also see a switch in their sound as well? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. How do you discuss this within within a group of artists like that? Um, I think it's just th- things do come in and out of fashion and um, you know people do look for, for trends but I think most of the time especially with the people I hang around with it's more sort of trying to um, just enjoy it still and uh, I think yeah again when you're play- sending music back and forth back and forth um yeah you try to keep that buzz going and it's like right you know I, yeah again I send a message out I need I need tracks for Printworks and you get excited like a, a kid in the candy shop yeah, yeah, yeah you get those new IDs and you're like right I want to play this I want to play that and you know yeah well I think um, what well, you guys set the trend instead of following exactly. I guess, yeah. that's it that's um, it. because you're also the host of uh, of the radio show of Sola Music yes radio yes so you're here in a familiar environment that's it. <laughs> you do a little radio show. So how did you end up doing that as well? Um, I mean, Mark rang me one day and was like, look, you know, you're doing this project, Valaris, do you want to do, do the show? And I was like, yeah, cool. Well up for doing that. And, uh, yeah, and now of, what? <laughs> well, it, it started off, um, obviously they've got a certain sound, but for me, I've sort of tried to take it into my own direction now. So we're sort of doing a bit of a blend between what Salado do, what I do. Um, last week, we just put out my Printworks live mix on yeah. the solar show. So uh, that was a little bit of a special, special moment for me as well. Um, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, we, we talked about this on, on air, on the regular show as well, that you played Printworks. I saw some footage of it. I, was, <laughs> I have to say, I'm not jealous really fast, but I was like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely been the best gig of my life so far. So, yeah. Yeah, I can't complain. How how would you describe, because Printworks, it's it's a club in London and it's going to be shut down in May, I think. Yeah, I think so. Because yeah. they're going to put some random flats on top of it. Such a waste. What a waste. Anytime. Um, that they do those kind of things because it happens a lot in London. I, I remember the, the um, how do you say it? People just trying to save Minnesota Sound as well. Yes. Turn mills in the past. Yes. Oh, the key. And now this one is going to disappear as well. Yeah. But at least you ticked it off your bucket list. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And um, I mean, it's, it, thinking back to it, like in this moment, it still gives you goosebumps. And uh, you know, you're sort of playing it and you're looking down that long hallway and you just sort of can't really see the end of the crowd, but you see all the hands up and yeah, it's incredible. Oh, <laughs> I have to visit before uh, before May. Um, I have, okay, we found a tweet of you saying that you sold your car to follow your dream. 
that the next step is going to quit your day job. Did oh. you quit your day job already? And what's the story behind that tweet? <clears throat> uh, no, not yet. So uh, hopefully my employer doesn't see this, but uh, <laughs> looking to Sorry. quit. <laughs> it's fine. It's no problem. Um, yeah, I think, look, we've got to just get a few things in place. And then um, once the team have the right agent on board, we'll be doing a, a lot more shows. And uh, yeah, that'll be the point where I just decide to, to quit. Yeah, you, because you tweeted that quite a long time ago. And now I guess things are coming together a little bit more, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think, I, I mean, I, I think we're looking at probably April time. I'll be able to go out and, and do things because I also write as well. So it's not just, um, it's not just the, the, the DJ side. We're obviously doing other production, Projects, yeah. production work and, and, and writing other records for other people as well. So you write a lot of other music as well besides Polaris? Yeah, yeah just getting into, into writing camps and, and sort of trying to get on points on records and, and bits and pieces. But while like you that. have a normal day job as well? Yeah. And you're yeah. a father. That's correct. Yeah. How do you how do you do that? Is, uh, what oh. kind of spaces? <laughs> what kind of magic do you have that you just juggle around time like that? Um, in the pandemic, I built my own studio in the garden, so uh, I've got my own workspace, which is essential. Mm -hmm. um, but I've got a really understanding wife, to be totally honest, and uh, she's known I wanted to do this for a very long time. Yeah. And I think um, you know I've, I've taken this. Uh, I've I've done it before as a tour DJ and, and sort of doing a, a couple of gigs every every so often mm -hmm. um, so she's pretty used to it but obviously this time it's going to be a different ball game so yeah now you're going to go hey I'm going to Miami honey bye bye I know well that, yeah on that note yeah we've got uh, got two shows in Miami coming up in, in March for the Miami Music Conference so the open and open to close one that's correct yeah it's 11 that's correct yeah I'm pretty sure I'm going to end up you know the funny thing is yeah, what I said also on there that Miami is that's the The, the spot 11, you know, the club. It's next to space, I think. Yes, opposite. So yeah. everyone that's, that's on South Beach that goes out to clubbing or to any beach or pool party or ultra music, yeah. at a certain time, it's like three in the morning, everybody's goes to 11. Yeah. So you'll be playing over there. Yes, yeah, so I'll be playing there from uh, 7 a.m. till 9 a.m. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to work out. 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. <laughs> oh my lord. Uh, I'm working out whether I sort of stay in bed and then have breakfast at like 2 a.m. or do I just go straight through? Um, I'll probably end up partying and going straight through and playing. To be honest, so. you can just go to bed, have a nice <laughs> sleep, you can have your cereal, you can do your workout and then you go to the club, everybody's a zombie and you're going to have a good time. It's my first time in Miami, I don't think I'll be sleeping much. <laughs> <laughs> you're, in, you're in for a treat, 100%. Um, if you were to have, uh, open a folder on your computer of all the music projects that you haven't finished in the, along the years, uh, how many tunes would there be there? And uh, why haven't you finished them? Oh God. Um, there's a <laughs> lot. There's a, there's Shout a, out to Nina for the question. That's a great question, Nina. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of music on, on the hard drive. Um, it's just loops. Like the amount of times I'll start an eight bar, 16 bar loop and then just forget about it. And you'll go back and go, oh, what's this? And sort of find a project. And it's like named something completely random. And even to be fair, some of the, some of the tracks that, uh, we've got coming out, I still have to try and find the original folder because you always call them something different. But, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, I've probably got, I've probably got another 150 ideas on my computer at the moment that aren't finished, um, like on a you know loop basis. But then we've probably got another another 10 to 12 that we're trying to get finalized and finished. But you know, it's um, yeah. I mean, I, I make music pretty quickly, to be fair. Yeah. Um, so I try to spend you know a day on something and then move on to the next thing and then refine it. Really? Yeah. yeah. Only a day. So yeah. so so day for the initial idea. That's correct. So uh, when you start a Start out making a tune. Is it something that uh, you may, you create like a 16 bar loop or something like that, and just keep on working on that? Or yeah, how do you normally start about with a track? Um, always a kick. 
So like the kick. Yes, really. Yeah, you yeah, start always, with the kick. Yeah, okay. always, always the kick. Um, some people start with melodies. Some people start with vocal ideas. I mean, to be fair, if I've got a remix, I'll always put the parts in, listen to the parts that I like, and then you know go from there. But for me, the, you know, dance music is about the kick and the bass relationship. Um, but I'll start doing drums. Like drums are my thing. I love, I love making drums. That's why I've got so many sixteen parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I just always making drum grooves. But um, yeah, with this, it's just it's getting a little bit easier for me because you sort of try and um, you you find a sound and you find you know. 10 different kicks and 10 different hi-hats that you like and the tick tock 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 yeah that's it yeah yeah so um yeah I, just, I sort of uh you know have everything set out now and you try and work a lot quicker so in ableton they've got like folders where i can sort of set things up and have my synths and bits in there and yeah it makes it makes life easier so you start out with the kick and then the rest comes naturally yeah, i'd say kick then so do the drums um build a groove 16 bars and then just try and put like either a bass line in and then i'll go into melody um you know whether it's like a, an arp so we do quite a lot of, of rp stuff or you know whether it be some chords um or yet again finding a vocal that works and building the chords around that but for me um you know i, I use a sort of what i do on the master chain is i always put like a, a little bit of a filter and some reverb and i'll always sort of build a bit of a melody and then try and do like a bit of a drop so it comes to life yeah, yeah. so it, so it feels like you know what you're doing in the club you can feel it and then i'll sort of you know work on that and get it to a point where i'm really happy and then extend and do the arrangement What is the the first synth that you load into a project? <sighs> um, a little bit of a geeky question, but you know. No, I, th I think Spire is probably the thing that I load in most now. Okay. Um, but yeah, again, I've got all my channels are set up with. I have automatically on every channel setup. I've got Decapitator. Oh yeah. Uh, and I've also Sound Toys. Yeah, Sound Toys Decapitator. Um, uh, yeah, so dr uh, Drum Fatner one, um, and then <laughs> the preset if you want to use it. Very um, good one. Yeah. And then um, I also have like Fab Filters e uh, EQ. So the, the yeah the Q3. Um, so I have that on every channel just because to be fair, um, on my all my drums I try and add in a little bit of harmonic distortion and, and stuff like that. So fuzziness. Yeah, a little bit of fuzziness. Yeah, yeah I like that as well. The yeah. sound toy stuff is just amazing in general oh, yeah. anyway. I mean, I just I just recently bought some UAD stuff and just going into that, well, say recently, it's probably been a couple of years now, but yeah, I love the UAD stuff as well. Now they have Spark as well, so you don't have yes. to carry around your controller anymore. Yes. So that's the sound card. It's great. Um, I have some questions from listeners as well. Robert nice. J. Shearer wants to know, what is your biggest dream? Oh, um, I mean, to be fair, my biggest dream is to quit my day job and do this full time. Like I've always wanted to do that and just be on the road, touring, making music. So mm -hmm. as soon as I can get to that point, I'll be pretty happy. Um, how I, do you know, how do you know that that point has come? Um, when I have my noticing <laughs> and I turn around and say, look, that's it. I'm, I'm going to try and do this full time. And, um, yeah, for me, I mean, I've got, I've got big dreams of playing certain venues. Um, you know, and it's, it's just looking at how to get to those to those positions. Um, yeah, again, I want to try and do all the major UK festivals just because I've, I've done them, you know, uh, I've been to them as, as, a, as a raver. Mm -hmm. um, and it's trying to go over to, I mean, I, I love traveling Europe. So for me, it's like any gigs I get in Europe, I'm happy with because I just love the culture and, and sort of getting out. But um, yeah, the dream for me is just to do this full time. At a certain point, you realize, okay, now is the time to yeah. just to, to make that step. It's a scary step, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. You, you know all the certainty goes away and then... Here we go. That's it. But I think I think I really admire that you do that because um, a lot of people have the same dream, yeah. but just don't dare to say it, or mm -hmm. they give up before they even try to get there. So yeah. I think, uh, yeah, good job that you that you're doing that. Pollock four two four two four two wants to know which DJ did you listen to the most when you were younger? Um, ooh, it's been it's been different over the years. Like the first ever DJ that I listened to the most was DJ EZ. 
So I used to love Garage back in the day. Um, okay. I must have been 13, 14 years old. Um, and then off the back of that, it was probably, you know, the likes of Carl Cox, when I see Carl Cox at space. So more the techno yeah, side of things. So. Yeah, 100%. And um, yeah, from from that, it's then leading into, you know, Marco Carolla, uh, those types of DJs. Um, I spent a lot of time listening to those. And then again, for me, um, yeah, radio, I mean, Radio 1, Pete Tong. Um, yeah. spent a lot of time as a, as a youngster listening to that that show and, and sort of, you know, dreaming about being on the radio one as well. So, Yeah, that's one of those monumental things that every producer or DJ has that to, to have a tune on radio. I remember this is going to be back to 2005, 6, 7. The first thing you did on a Monday morning was to check the playlists on yeah. BBC One to 100%. see. 100%. <laughs> uh, it was Dave Pears and George Jules. Yes. And, who else was Eddie Hallowell, of course, Piton, but getting played by Piton was impossible. Yeah. Impossible. Yeah. But certain, at certain, certain points, you reached that as well. So. That's it. Well, yeah, we had a first Piton players, Valaris, uh, last year with Slow Motion. So I was absolutely buzzing with that. And um, yeah, then we just had another one recently with with uh, the same record, to be fair, but John played it on the radio. So yeah. But um, yeah, so uh, yeah, Radio One's a, a, a good look. Was Slow Motion really the, the tune that kicked everything off? Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. So it's it's quite um it's quite funny because that record was well it's quite trancey. You've got, it is. Yeah, 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 and it's got a big euphoric breakdown, like a little bit of a vocal. Um, so I, I wasn't really expecting you know John to pick it up. You know, he said, oh, "Have you got any music?" And he played it every single set. <laughs> yeah, literally, yeah. literally every single set. And he still plays it now sometimes. But um, yeah, it's a it's a record that really put us on the map. Um, and then off the back of that, we've obviously had the other the other releases that come with it. But um, yeah, that's definitely I think been the one that's catapulted us um but to be to be totally honest vintage culture um played uh, through the night so he's gone through the back catalog and he played it only a couple of couple of weeks ago or so i think so like hey yeah. he did his homework a little bit late yeah i like that yeah but better late than never yeah exactly yeah so he's been a good supporter of us to be fair he's played um tiger and a few other releases of ours so yeah i think that's a, that's also hard of the back as well from what we said also on on air that uh you see that everything's just melting together like vintage mm-hmm. culture would Rabbit tune like that, and John Summer playing, you know, your tune as well. Yeah. So, from the techno side of thing, house side of thing, everybody's just picking up everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so amazing. Like, I discuss this with my friends all the time as well. It's such an amazing time to be a producer right now and DJ because you can do whatever. Yeah. And that's why you guys are also flourishing right now, I think, I, as well. Yeah. I, I, I feel like that's the that was the aim for me, is yeah. I wanted to be a cross genre. And I think, um, I remember years ago, um, uh, I remember speaking to sort of old management from from back in the day, um, and they were saying, "Look, you know, you've got to have um, a track that can cross boundaries," and um, that's what I'm hoping to try and try and do still. So, yeah, you want to have a track that's being played by and Dead Mouse and by Cox and by Armin or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. That's how you make a difference. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, uh, what is up on the uh, horizon in the next couple of weeks? Um, so, yeah, I mean, the next couple of weeks is going to be Miami. I think I've already mentioned that. So we're going out to Miami at the end of end of March. Um, at the end of March, I've got my uh, Purified release. So Nora and Pure has been a big supporter of us as well, which is amazing. Um, she's great. Yeah, yeah she's, she's a big fan. Yeah, yeah, and her music's incredible. And, um, you know, I just love the vibe of, of the whole the whole team, to be totally honest. Yeah. They're, they're great guys. Um, <clears throat> so we've got that coming up. Um, so that'll be a track called Aqua and a track called Sphere. Um, but Nora's had them for, she probably had them for about seven or eight months now. So She just wants to play them for herself the has, whole time. Yeah. And then <laughs> she's like, okay, now I'm tired of it. I'm going to release that. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, which is, which is great. And, um, yeah, she played them all over the place. Um, but, yeah, so we've had that rec- record. And then we've got um, Armada, 
So I've got a track called Lifted coming out in April. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've done a dark edit, which I made specifically pr- for Printworks, um, of a track called I'm So Weak, mm-hmm. which came out on, on Armada on um, with Cammy, yeah. February with Cammy Robinson. Yeah. Shout out to Cammy. Yeah. Um, so, um, incredible vocals. Um, so yeah, hopefully we do some more stuff with her as well. Um, but yeah, so the dark edit's coming out in, in April and uh, it's definitely a club weapon. So Yeah, and then the summer's coming up as well. You're going to have, pretty sure you're going to have a, well, your schedule is going to be packed yeah, with all yeah. the stuff that's coming around. And the Hand of God has just came out as well. Yes, Hand of God's just come out and we've, uh, we've been getting some decent support on that one as well, to be fair. So uh, yeah, it's just all trying to keep up with it because uh, we've got a release schedule that's like probably every four weeks until the end of the year. Yeah, so, because you created so much back I then know, and know. now you're already making new stuff as well. So. Yeah, so th- I think the problem I've got now is that like, as a producer, you'll know this, you, you, every tune that you make, you sort of think, oh, I like that one more than the last one, yeah, more than the yeah, last yeah, one. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, so we're just trying to keep up to date and, and, and you know, put stuff out. But with release schedules, as I said, we're pretty much fully booked until the end of the year with releases. So um, we might try and fit in a few remixes here and there. Um, we've got a pretty big remix we're working on at the moment. I can't say much about it, but it could be a game changer. Okay. Um, so yeah, hopefully that will... Well, no one's listening, so tell us. <laughs> no, 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 no. It won't get it out of me, but um, yeah, management will kill me. <laughs> oh, who cares? They're not here anyway, so it's fine. No, okay, well, let's keep it there. And you also make the... That's, I love that one, the, the Reflect, Need for Love, the remix. Yes. I still need to get that off your USB key. It's still there? Yeah, no, no. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll steal that. You can, you can have that. I think there's only a, two other people that have got it, so you can have it. Awesome. No at all. And what's going to happen to the remix you did for the Space Brothers? Um, so, I mean, to be fair, I, I, <laughs> I only made that um, probably just before the weekend, and it was specifically for this show. So, as I said, I think I said to you in the break, I can't remember yeah. if I told you on air or if I told you on the break, but... Um, for, for me, I loved the Nailing and Kane remix, um, but I always felt it, it sort of didn't get going until it had the bass line come in. So um, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to do a rework of it, put the because vo- I love the vocal. I love yeah. the, um, uh, the sort of... Yeah, 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 yeah. Every time I... Go- Every, yeah. Yeah. Wait, 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 do that again. <laughs> yeah, lovely bit of reverb. No? Yeah. No, no. <laughs> I'm not singing though. No. You caught me a little bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love, I love but that. But not for social media, so don't worry, we grabbed it. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, but yes, yeah, so I love, I love the vocal. I love the, um, uh, like the, the breakdown just gives me goosebumps. So, um, and, and yet again, I, I had to get this one finished. So I think I'm even going to extend this breakdown a little bit to be totally honest. Um, it's, it really works, but I want to sort of go in and, and, and make it really, um, euphoric and mm-hmm. a little bit more, you know, give it, give it a bit more of a nod to the original to be totally honest. Awesome. Well, looking forward to hear the result on that one as well. Thank you. I want to thank you for answering all these questions and sitting down and coming from the UK all the way here to be on our show. I've had an absolute blast. So thank you for having me and I'll definitely come back again. No problem at all. Awesome. Thank you. Well, give it up for Volaris. Where we can, can we follow you on socials? Um, yeah. So follow me. All my socials, <clears throat> all my socials are the same and it's at Volaris Music OFC. OFC, official. That's it. So no fake ones. No fake ones. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning into uh, this episode of State of Trends podcast. Next week, we're going to be back with Colony. See you then. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. Check all previous episodes on YouTube or your favorite podcast portal. 